Welcome to My Friend Has Never Listened to a Podcast. Believe it or not, up until recently, my friend James had never listened to a podcast. Unlike me, my co-host Ollie is totally addicted to podcasts. The idea of this podcast is for her to convince me that my life is not complete without the minute. So each week she'll be recommending me a new podcast to listen to, and we'll be reviewing it here on the show. My friend Ollie is a bit of a nerd. Hey. She has multiple degrees and masters in philosophy, psychology, and she currently works as a business psychologist and guest lectures at universities in the space of positive psychology. Now, she lives in Ely Beach, but you would have heard her accent. You know where she's from. She is a massive Manchester United fan. Best team in the world. <laughs> Says you. <laughs> My co-host James is a Kiwi living in Brisbane. He runs his own cultural transformation consultancy. He loves all sport and exercise, but he's also a bit of a foodie. That just makes life so difficult. He's a former actor, and like most Kiwis around the world, he goes for the All Blacks. <laughs> now, Ollie. Last week, you challenged me with listening to a podcast called Gangster Capitalism. That is a real loaded title. My brain went in loads of different ways. For our listeners, give them a bit of an overview as to what Gangster Capitalism is all about and why you recommended it to me. As always, if our listeners have not had a chance to check out Gangster Capitalism yet, this is your invitation to go away and listen to season one, which is what James and I will be reviewing today. Or you can just stay and listen. Or that. Whatever you prefer. <laughs> Gangster Capitalism is a podcast detailing how very rich white privileged children sometimes get into universities called colleges in the states mm. through what they refer to as either the back door or the side door and i don't know about you james but did you know that these back and side doors existed before listening to this podcast i had heard of some of the stuff happening before it's been around for years and you see it in movies and so there has to be an element of truth to it being around rich fathers that would pay for buildings or wings of colleges and therefore would automatically grant their children admission to that particular university to that college so yeah i definitely had heard of it didn't obviously know about it in as much detail as this podcast allows us to to delve into this podcast predominantly focuses on the crimes of a gentleman by the name of rick singer or william singer who was a former coach he he helped hundreds of children get into colleges through taking payments from their parents. What really fascinated me about this was sometimes the children didn't even know. The children actually believed that they had aced these tests. And that was his selling point. Mm. For our listeners, when Ollie was talking before at the back door and the side door, the back door has been around for years. So really, really rich families that were able to donate a million dollars, $10 million to particular universities as a way of then guaranteeing their kids into that particular school. And what Rick did was create this niche market where they weren't the extremely rich people, but they were rich people mm -hmm. who couldn't go through the backdoor channel. So he created a side door for them into these particular colleges, essentially completely rotting the system, getting people to sit exams for other people, creating fake athlete profiles for some of his we'll call them clients i suppose right for their children but all while their kids didn't know that it was actually happening so their kids would sit the exam thinking that they said it he'd then get someone to come in and reset the exam for them depending on how much you paid him was what score he could guarantee your kid got 
and your kid then would get the results back thinking that that's the score that they had got from their particular... So they were deceiving their children as well. Which, for me, speaks to a total lack of confidence from those parents in their kids' abilities. Yeah. There were some people, though, who knowingly cheated, weren't there? At the beginning of the episode, you are introduced to someone who had knowingly gone out as a student himself and paid for someone to go and sit the exam for him. Now, what the podcast does really well is explain that that's been around for years. But what this podcast is about, which is different, as a student going out there and knowingly getting someone to cheat for them, is parents taking the liberty to make the decision for their children. And that's mm. what this this whole podcast is about with Rick. And I think I would be really disappointed in my parents if they asked me to have some kind of assessment before an exam and told me to play dumb. Because in order to for this process to work, the student has to be given extra time. So in order to be granted that extra mm. time, the child has to be classified as having some kind of learning disadvantage. Yeah, but this was probably one of the most disgusting things that they, they did as part of their scheme was basically fake having learning disabilities mm-hmm. or difficulties so that they could get the same treatment as people with actual disabilities for sitting exams. For me, it really disrespected that community of people who are out there with those actual challenges that system has been created for. Yeah. Quite heartbreaking, really, when you yeah. think about it. Really rotting the system. Yeah, because essentially what you would do is you'd get your child to have one of these assessments, play dumb, be granted extra time. They have to be granted 100% extra time. Mm. And the child would go in and sit the exam in a particular school. The school would belong to a friend of Rick's. And then once the child left, this super intelligent genius would come in and basically complete the test for them. Flowing in from around the country. Yeah. On private jets that were owned by some of these clients. That's another level. Yeah. It was intense. What I also worry about is some of these children may not have been intellectually capable of coping at some of these universities. So you get your child into this red brick university and then they spend the rest of their university career struggling because they think, gosh, how did I do so well on my exams? And now I'm finding everything so hard and I'm getting really poor marks. Oh, but Ollie, that's a problem for another day. We'll cross that bridge when we come to <laughs> we'll it. We'll pay right? somebody else to do yeah, the, the final yeah, exams exactly. for us. <laughs> Yeah. Let's just deal with one of these at a time, Ollie. Yeah. And how devastating. And I did see some of this out in the media. So I had seen in social media and around on the news that Laurie Lachlan, being one of the people that had engaged Rick Singer's services, is now going through the courts because she has actually pled not guilty. She's facing massive, massive years in jail if she's found guilty. And her daughter went complete radio silence because so she was quite big on social media and Instagram and complete radio silence when wow. all this kind of stuff happened. So she almost went underground because imagine how embarrassing it would be yeah. and disappointing as a child. To know that you basically you're a fraud. You are a fraud by proxy. And, and also as part of being now dubbed a fraud, you also figure out that your parents had no faith in your actual ability. I don't think that the parents went up to their kids and said, I'm, well, necessarily, I, I don't, we don't know this, but I don't think most of the parents went up to their kids and said, I don't think you're going to get into Harvard. So you need to play dumb because we're going to engage these services. I think there would have been a lot more real subtle manipulative influencing of these kids to do the things that they needed them to do in order for them to do that stuff in the background. You hear the story about the, the kid I don't know if he was involved directly with this scandal, but Mm. was under so much pressure from his parents to do well at school that he ended up committing suicide. And Mm. it just makes me so thankful that when I was a student, my parents always used to say, try your best. 
and that's it. Whatever your best is, we're happy with. I can't imagine what my life would have been like if I was constantly being told, you have to get these grades, these tests are so important. But you see this all the time, and especially coming out of America. I know this must happen around the world, but America, because of the, I suppose, the media that we see and the movies that are out there, people are being shaped from kindergarten from preschool to go into these particular ivy league schools because the idea is that if you don't have an ivy league school on your resume you're stuffed good luck with life you aren't achieving anything because it's all about connections and who you know and if you look at the way the system works it's very much like that i live in brisbane brisbane is such a private school connected community you know what i found really interesting is when i moved to brisbane i just found that people were so focused on what high school you went to In Brisbane, there are a lot of private schools. Now, these private schools, parents will pay $25,000, $35,000 a year to send their kids to these schools. I just remember going out with a couple of friends one night and someone was like, oh, where'd you go to school? And then I listened to this conversation. Oh, well, I went to grandma and I went to Najee. Oh, he went to grandma too. And yeah, he went to Najee. And it was very much like, well, who do you know from those circles? And based on who you know in those circles, oh, he's a grandma old boy. Because he's a grandma old boy, he works at that company. So you should go talk to him. And so it was just network, network, network. Like a boys club. So much so, right? And then I look at then over in America and that's what they're talking about. They're talking about if you go to Harvard, if you go to Yale, if you go to these schools, these elite schools, you'll be connected for life. You'll have all the right contacts to all the right people. And without that on your resume, you'll work menial jobs, a little bit above average. Which basically says that the American dream is complete rubbish because this idea that if you work hard, you'll do well, what they're basically saying is if you're rich, you'll do well. And in this podcast, they expose that enormously one lady says it outright people tell you that if you have a good education you can have a really really successful life no she says no it's money if you have money you can have a really really successful life that one of the big themes is about this indoctrinated sense that going to one of these private schools is so important is so so important that you need to start prepping your kids for it from preschool and if they get a b at seven years old don't bother trying yeah. anymore. You've stuffed it. <laughs> and it turned one lady into an alcoholic because she was like, oh, my kid didn't get the right kind of grades for... There wasn't one woman suing the kindergarten because she was like, they're not preparing my child. For Ivy League. Yeah. At four years old, she's like, you guys are focusing on colours and numbers and animals and they need to be doing things more in line with the Ivy League syllabus. It was I insane. Was like, it was crazy. James, you know, we've been doing some work recently together on grit. And mm. I don't know if you want me to say this on the podcast but as part of of doing this research i've been rereading angela duckworth's book on grit Mm. and she goes into extensive detail about how important attitude is over talent and yeah so i used to be james's leader so i recruited james at a previous workplace and i cannot ever remember seeing your cv because it wasn't important to me because when i'd spoken to you all i got from you was this incredibly positive attitude and really keen to learn and enthusiastic and for me your attitude it didn't matter if you had been to one of those prior private schools in Brisbane or really top university because I was going to hire you regardless. Ah, well, that's really complimentative and you didn't have to say that, but I'll give you your $10 later. (laughs) (laughs) 
when I spoke to you, I was like, we're hiring this guy. I 100% agree, Ollie, with attitude because there's that graphic that's been around for years around hard work, knowledge and attitude. Have you have you seen it? And they break it down into letters of the alphabet and the num- numerical value of those letters. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hard work equals 98%, knowledge equals 96%, but attitude equals 100%. Mm-hmm. I've always just thought that that's extremely true. Sadly, though, it's not the way in which the American system, I might even go as far to say as the education systems around the world, have actually been set up. You said before that education is extremely important. I value education. I think one of the big things, and you value education. I work in education. We've got a thirst for knowledge. We value information and, and learning and understanding. But what I've never been able to really grasp is why countries like Norway can have completely free education all the way up until university. Yep. And yet in New Zealand, in the States, in the UK, people are paying thousands, tens of thousands for their degrees. And that just has always baffled me. 100% that it education's important but it's been turned into a business yeah it should be available to everybody yeah and it's just not what gangster capitalism illuminates is that there are people out there who might be some of the most brilliant minds in the world and we aren't getting access to their full talent because the system doesn't allow them to study in the best places in the world yeah because if you're not rich you can't get in yeah we're not letting people in based on their their talent we're letting people based on their legacy and their ability to financially contribute to that school and there was that episode James where somebody actually wrote in to describe his personal experience Mm. of being incredibly hardworking and really intelligent and wanting to go to one of these universities and just all the hurdles that were put in his way because he wasn't wealthy, that he was never able to achieve those things. And for me, that's just so unfair because every time the parents are are paying for their maybe not so intelligent child to go to a university, they're actually taking the place of somebody who should be there, who has the potential to progress and you shouldn't be able to pay your way into universities i think they should be immune from that kind of access the scary thing is is that if you look back yeah some of these average people could go on to do really good things but imagine what someone amazing could have done in that same spot you're squeezing excellence out of mediocre but if you were squeezing that out of these amazing people that are out there without the same opportunities or the same cash where would we be as a society like what would we already know and some of the greatest minds had access to all of the resources necessary to further their hypothesis, research things effectively. It's really made me realise that the reason why the American dream is always sold by saying, look at this very poor person who worked their way up and aren't they extraordinary? Well, yeah, they were because they had more hurdles than you can possibly imagine because they never had an equal opportunity. The system is built to support the rich and sometimes rich people don't do well and it makes me think my god if you're born with a silver spoon in your mouth you should definitely be succeeding because you've got every opportunity available for you because your parents are opening doors for you left right and center but it always reminds me of one of my mum's classic quotes money can't buy your taste (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> but it's it's the truth. Money can't buy you work ethic. Money can't buy you thirst for knowledge. Those are the things that have to come from someone's innate personality and 
as much money as you've got, it doesn't necessarily equate to... I felt really sorry for that gentleman who described how his life has just been basically an uphill battle because he's not wealthy. And the fact that the education system is also fueling that really disappoints me because it goes against everything I believe in, in free access to education, including higher education. And and it's a white privilege because there was that gentleman I really did not like the the quote that they had from Liam Warner, who's a rising senior at Harvard. And he basically implied that we have to put minorities into universities just to meet quota numbers. Quota, yeah. Yeah. Inclusivity quotas, yeah. But he basically said that these people don't actually deserve those spaces because those spaces are reserved. Just because somebody believes they're entitled to a place at Harvard does not by any means mean that they should be given that place at Harvard. And no. the way Just because your dad went there doesn't mean yeah. you deserve to go Well, like the I'm Kennedy sorry. family, right? Yeah. I just found it atrocious. And I didn't actually know when they insinuated that maybe Mr. Donald Trump had also paid people to take some of his exams. I thought oy, that... Oy. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. Do you know what's sad though, James? I actually wasn't that surprised. I was like, oh. And he's just one person. He's the tip of the iceberg. I reckon there are so many people out there that have done things like this. Yeah. And Jared Krishna was actually the poster child for these particular systems back in the day. So so they're all in it together. They're this, like you talked about, this network, this rich, white, privileged club that exists where we're all doing favours for one another and showing each other the back door and I'll be your lawyer and you be my solicitor and you can be my doctor and you'll be my surgeon and you'll and be my, my dentist and you be yeah. my accountant. And what we'll do is we'll all basically be corrupt, but we'll all cover each other's backs and we'll all help each other succeed at the expense of poor people. Well, we need people to clean our floors, Ollie, and we need people to do those kind of menial tasks. So how do we keep them there? Well, we keep them poor. And to to make it seem like that's something that's not in place, we'll let a small quota come through to tick a box. And when you talk about white privilege, Ollie, I think this just is another example of a pillar of white privilege that exists in the world at the moment, because there are so many of them. Education is a pillar of white privilege, but then in business, and if you look at some of our episodes over the last, in media, so many different industries, ways, shapes, and forms, white privilege exists. And it does beg me to ask you the question, Ollie, what's your definition of white privilege? I believe that if you are white more doors Mm. will automatically be opened for you because of the colour of your skin without any reference to talent, skill, hard work, motivation, effort. It's just based on the colour of your skin. Unconscious advantages, right? That kind Mm. of exist for you because of the colour of your skin. It baffles me that in 2020, we know this stuff is out there, right? We know that this stuff is happening and yet it still exists. We have parts of society that are making excuse for why white privilege is still necessary or why racism is okay. That's just not a negotiable to me. That's not something that we should be saying, well, let's find an excuse for how we can actually keep this going. But it is so entrenched and deep-rooted into how our society is run that it's baffling to think of what life would look like if we started pulling on that thread and totally Mm. unraveled it all. Where does it end? I want to find out. I'm so keen to find out. I can't envisage it. I would love to see what it what it is. Some of the ways that people actually gained admission was so 
bizarre. They were, I've got a letter from the Pope. I've got a letter from the Clintons. Does the Pope know your child? Did did the Pope spend time at school in the classroom? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because if you got a letter from the Pope, you could do whatever you want. People get into universities because they're friends with someone who made a large, sizable donation to that particular university. So the network that you talked about, your parent didn't have to have gone there or donated money. But if you know someone that did... It's all about who you know and how much money they've got. That's or how much money you've got. That that's pretty much the basis of this whole podcast. And I loved that one of the themes that was brought up was white privilege and how it's something that, that it just is quite unsettling mm. that it's still such a massive influencing factor yeah. on how these long-standing institutions operate and quite openly operate. This is why I love podcasts. Because it really does bring to the masses these stories in a really easily digestible way about things that ordinarily we might not really understand or or hear in detail. Like I'd seen in the press about Hoffman's trial and pleading guilty and things, but I never really paid it much attention and I didn't Mm. really go away and do any research or digging into the case. But now I understand that the sentences that are handed down to these very wealthy white people people who commit essentially crimes are fairly mild compared to the black lady in this particular podcast who used her grandfather's or used her father her child's grandfather's address in order for her children to go to a better school was sent to prison for 10 days had to pay seventy thousand dollars in fines and then was on probation for 10 years afterwards compare that to what the white yeah it's just and she could afford to pay 70 grand in one mm. hit and a few days in prison but no really lenient sentence you know what time served off you go 10 grand we'll call it quits what and i'm just going to put this out there from my perspective maybe she went to school with the judge yeah but completely her behavior was worse i'm sorry felicity hoffman's behavior was worse than what i deem that lady that mother who yeah. wrote the address of her grandfather or her father on that particular document i'm sorry but there was a lot more conspiracy and there was a lot more intent and there was a lot more deception that took place in Felicity Hoffman's case, the punishments that are dished out, it's just unfair. So, and another thing that Andrew Jenks did really well was talk about legacy Mm -hmm. and this idea around legacy. And although they speak specifically to obviously the legacy around if my father went there and my forefathers went there, then I should be going to that same school as well and the legacy that these Ivy League schools have. I think one of the other things though that they do without explicitly saying it is expose the legacy of white privilege and the legacy of racism Mm -hmm. within America. And I think if you do look broadly, you can see this in other parts of the world as well. As I said before, Brisbane, the schools that you go to and the amount of money that your family have will depend on how successful you are in Australia. I, that's my opinion, or in Brisbane at least. That's a big call, but I'm just going to put it out there that it, it exists. And I, I'm sure it exists in New Zealand as well. I'm sure it exists in the UK. Gangster capitalism does a, a brilliant job of speaking to exactly how it's happening and maybe even suggests some things that need to change Mm. in the United States in this area. I think one of my favourite episodes, and I think it happened in quite a few episodes, is they'd obviously got the transcripts of the Mm. telephone calls that Rick Singer, because when Rick Rick Singer was arrested, obviously because he's a complete snake, he rolled immediately and said, let me contact all my clients and we can record their phone calls. Now we have to pause here, Ollie, to let our listeners know that that's exactly what happened. They found the kingpin of this operation early on and immediately he turned around total weasel and was like okay so how can I reduce my sentence and what can I do to be on your side and cooperating with the FBI and then 
proceeded to incriminate all of his clients by getting to them to admit over the phone yeah. that they had given him money and that they were instead going to be writing it off as a charitable donation to his yeah. company. Oh, mate. But how obvious would the, just as an example, it would be like <laughs> me phoning you, James, and saying, hi, James, I just wanted to give you a heads up that I'm being investigated by the IRS mm. and they're going to ask questions about the $75,000 that you paid me for your child to get into Harford because I was going to get this other gentleman to take the exam on his behalf and then I was going to send you a letter saying that that money was for a charitable donation and you weren't receiving any goods and services. Do you remember that happening? And I was thinking, oh my goodness, if somebody phoned me and said that, I would be like, is this a sting? Are you trying to get me to say something to incriminate me? For all of our listeners, if you ever receive a phone call like that, deny, deny, deny. Like just (laughs) if you have done something like that. He was ringing them saying, we just need to get our story straight. So I just need to confirm that this is what actually happened, but this is what we're going to tell them. Mate, when I'm listening to it, I was sitting there going, tell, that's a tell. I would have known straight away. But I mean, if these people were, he was good enough to sell them on actually buying into his system. He was obviously good enough at convincing them that they needed to get their story straight and admit that stuff over the phone. Oh, mate. But yeah, for me, it was like a massive thing that if I ever did do anything untoward and someone tried to ring up and get our story straight, I'd be like, I don't remember. I don't know. What you're I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Are there any other key themes, Oz, in this podcast that really stood out to you or any other stories? I think the amount of money that that Rick made, it was somewhere in the region of $25 million. On the money, mate, that's exactly what it was. Yeah, it was just insane, the amount of money that's exchanging hands to perform these seriously corrupt negotiations. And it is this boys club, because what I found really interesting is when they had that gentleman come in and discuss how he actually sought out a lawyer or sought a business that specialised in, in helping white, privileged, rich people deal with facing prison because white collar crime is happening all the time it was called white collar consultancy oh my god it was just so even that you can get help with if you've got money so this gentleman will come in and actually prepare you for prison because you've got money you can actually have a private consultant prepare you for your time in prison so not only have you got lawyers trying to get you off no the system so prepare you on what you need to do with the system to get you the right kind of prison sentence or to get you the right kind of prison you hear about celebrities going to certain prisons So he prepares them to know all those loopholes. And from my perspective, it just is like having a good accountant. Mm. That's what these people are doing. They've found all these cheat sheets and they're just sharing them amongst themselves for cash. Yeah. Well, the reason why, again, podcasts are so good, James, because they are literally bringing this corruption to the forefront and hopefully that is going to make some headway in helping it be dismantled so it can't happen in future. If you love education, if you are interested in the way America's been set up and potentially the flaws that exist within that system, this is a fantastic podcast for you. You will get so much out of it. It's been brought together by C13 Originals and yeah, they've done a fantastic job in producing it. Andrew Jenks did a great job in hosting it and I think anyone who's interested in education who who wants to understand you know how the American education system works and how these Ivy League universities work and why something like a side door platform could exist for over 20 years without ever being found out it's a fantastic podcast for you yeah. who would you recommend this podcast to Ollie? I think anybody who like you say is interested in, in education but also if anybody doesn't or denies white 
white privilege exists, recommend this podcast to them and say, okay, we'll just go away and have a listen to this podcast and just see if when you hear about what's actually happening in the background, if you still agree, because this is a real problem. And it's the people who have the talent and have worked really hard that end up suffering the consequences of essentially these cheats and fraudsters. I said it during the podcast, I'll say it again. The biggest atrocity out of all of this is that we are squeezing great out of mediocre people at these Ivy League universities. It's one of these conundrums because these multi-millions of dollars are paying for Harvard to then go and employ the best staff in the world. But some of the most brilliant minds out there aren't being exposed to the best institutions or facilities Mm. and therefore aren't, I don't think, aren't able to achieve their potential. And the way that the system is currently set up doesn't allow for natural talent and genius to be identified irrespective of class and race in these prestigious institutions. Yeah, totally agree. Now, what else has been happening in Ollie's Corner? What else have you been listening to? So this is a podcast I've been listening to for a long time. My Ollie's Corner recommendation this week is Murder Mile, which is a podcast made by a gentleman in the UK and he lives on Canal Boat. I think he used to work for the BBC and when he left, he basically now lives on his canal boat, sails up and down the canals and up and down the Thames, making podcasts about true crime and he also has a true crime walk around London showing you where this murder took place a hundred years ago and here's where such and such a murderer used to live and next time I'm in London I'm definitely going to go on Mike's Murder Mile tour and what I really like is he uses sound really well he tries to replicate the sounds of the time so the sounds like that like does he do it Uh, not not (laughs) not his own voice but When he's in London, he will record the sounds of, say, Mayfair, you know, a particular sound that might be relevant to the particular crime. And it just adds so much atmosphere to his storytelling to the point where sometimes he'll say, you know, and then the door slammed and then a door will slam and it'll actually make me jump because it it sounds so real and he's heaps of fun. He also does a mini mile at the end of each segment, which is just him, no editing, just chatting about the case, which I also love. I really like that free-flowing, non-scripted part of his podcast as well. So I would recommend anybody who's looking for something a little bit extra, go and check out Mike's Murder Mile. He also sometimes does big cases where he covers one case over, say, six episodes. So like marathon cases, which are awesome. And he always uses original case documents. He doesn't just go off what the press said at the time, which I love. And he covers a lot of historical cases predominantly in and around London. Cool. All right. So for our listeners, if that's sounds of interest to you and you've got a little bit of time up your sleeve if that's what you're still listening to i'm keen to hear what you've got recommended for me for next week okay so we're going to go a little bit different this week i'm going to recommend a podcast to you james that at this stage is only available on spotify now is that accurate or might it be available on things like pod Podbean or stitcher or any of those other apps it could be i've not checked <laughs> okay no that's cool so it's just So all we know is that it's not available on Apple. I couldn't find it on Apple. Okay, cool. Happy to be proved wrong. No, no, that's fine. James, have you ever heard of something called fentanyl? Yes. It's a drug. It is. It's a prescription pain medication, though, and it's become something that's been pushed as people become addicted to it and then medical centers can start pushing it to their clients. And become like pill mills? Yeah. So Yes, yes, because I watch a show called Claws, 
where they operate one of those pill mills. So, so yeah, okay, I do know about fentanyl. Excellent. Well, this podcast is all about fentanyl. It's called Painkiller. America's Fentanyl Crisis, and it's by Vice. Ah, awesome. I love Vice. It's only eight episodes. Walk in the park, mate. I think you're going to find it really, really interesting because you're going to hear lots of different perspectives on this epidemic. Ooh, that's cool. So, uh, yeah, so if our listeners have watched Claws, you'll know what Ollie's talking about. But obviously, this sort of takes you on a journey into that world, does it? And kind of what's happening in the States or? Yep. And it talks about, they go on some interesting journeys as well. So they meet with people who are making this drug and people who are in prison because they have been selling this drug and also people Mm. who are addicted to this drug so it's super interesting i loved it yeah i'm interested to hear your thoughts next week well i'm so keen to hear if the the show that i've been watching has any kind of truth in relation to what's actually happening i'll be really interested to see if they've used factual information to bring the show together because you know how they sometimes can blur those lines a little bit i do exciting all right i'd like to say a massive thank you to our listeners for joining us on today's episode on gangster capitalism We had fun delivering it. Like always, if you enjoyed it or loved it as well, you can leave us a five-star review on whatever app you're listening to us on. Your reviews obviously do help us be noticed by other people. If you wanted to, you can reach out to us on our socials, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Or if you wanted to, you can write us an email at myfriendhasnever at gmail.com. A huge thank you to Andrew Jenks and the team at C13 Originals for bringing this podcast to light. You guys did a really good job. Heaps of people need to hear it. I wanted to wrap up today's episode by letting you think about a few stats that currently exist with education in America. Whites are 78% more likely to be accepted to the same university as equally qualified people of color. Emphasis on equally qualified. And when they graduate, Black college graduates have significantly more debt than white graduates. Now you tell me white privilege doesn't exist. All right, James, I'll talk to you on the other side. Talk to you on the other side, buddy.